You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So Jesus was crucified 53 days ago. We like to be exact. He was in the tomb three days. On the third day, he comes out. The resurrection. Mm-hmm. And then he went to heaven. No, that's not how the story goes. He spends over 40 days revealing himself. And I've often just asked the Holy Spirit to just give me some some divine imagination on what that might have looked like. I've got Jesus doing conferences on the kingdom and the disciples sitting and he's explaining the kingdom to him. But I don't think there was need for that. He had lived the kingdom before them for three years. And so they were absorbing all of that. But now what they were receiving in that time was something that was necessary for them to be able to go forth. So at the end of the 40 days, they go and they meet in the upper room for 10 days. Last week, we started emotionally healthy spirituality. And on our first exercise, we had to do two minutes of silence. And for some, that was excruciating. Transfer, 10 days in the upper room, praying, waiting. We wait for two minutes and we think that in our culture, we've waited plenty of, that's, that's long enough. And here they were waiting for 10 days. I don't know if God just wanted to honor the day of Pentecost, the, the Jewish festival, what, what he was doing there, but we find that it was on the day of Pentecost that this supernatural release of the Holy Spirit took place on planet Earth. And it changed everything. It's a whole new game after Pentecost. This is how the scripture records it. On the day of Pentecost, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering It was all anyone could bear. Okay? What kind of images are coming to your mind? I worked at FedEx for three and a half years. On occasion, our heavyweight department had a piece that had to go onto a plane. And I would be going. And you would go past the planes. And the roar of the jet engine probably doesn't even begin to compare with the sound of the wind, the roaring wind that came out of heaven that day. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated in tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues 
empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. We just pause, Father, and ask that you would release the Holy Spirit in wave number two to us today, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, that we'd have eyes to see and hearts to receive and understand. In Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is more than just a doctrine. The Holy Spirit is more than just an experience. The Holy Spirit is a person. I don't know about you, but every now and then my personhood, because I am a pastor, I don't always get treated as a person. I don't know what people think of when they treat me like the pastor. But sometimes it's, it's really annoying. You know, it, it's, it's like, I'm a human being. And I wonder how the Holy Spirit feels because he is a person beyond just a human person, but he is a person. He has personhood. And if we treat him as, as an experience, as the third member of the Trinity, um, I don't think there's a, a real jockeying for position or rivalry in the Godhead. You know, it's not like Holy Spirit says, you know, I'm the third. I wish I was in second. <laughs> you know. There's, there's none of that going in the Godhead. So even when we say the third person of the Holy Spirit, sometimes in, in our minds, we kind of perceive him as, eh, there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And it's like, no, no, he, he is very God. Amen. And we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit because this is his day. This is the day that we celebrate him. And you know what? As we celebrate him, he glorifies Jesus. And as Jesus is glorified, he glorifies the Father. See, sometimes in our finite Christianity, we think, well, if we focus too much on the Holy Spirit, we're going to miss the Father and the Son. Nothing could be further from the truth. When you focus on the Holy Spirit, you have the Son and the Father. You get them all. So, what does a person want? A person wants to be known and to know. They want relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants with you today. Wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are in your understanding of the Holy Spirit, today's a day of upgrade. Today's a day of moving to another level of relationship with the Holy Spirit. We find in the book of Acts that when they come, they've heard of Jesus, but they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit yet. And we find that to be the case sometimes in some of our churches that we focus so heavy on God the Father and God the Son that we've said very little about God the Holy Spirit. And so today we want to acknowledge and let him have his day. You know, 
in the King James Version, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Ghost. Marcus is a card-carrying member of the King James Version only club. <laughs> and, uh, and it's the Holy Ghost. You know, when I first heard about the Holy Ghost, you know, I was thinking of Casper. You know, I was thinking of those, those things that have gotten out of the body and just kind of floats around and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think when we were uh, oh, early teens, you know, around the campfire, we'd tell ghost stories and, and all that kind of stuff. And I find now in my mid to late 60s, I love a good Holy Ghost story more than anything. I love Holy Ghost stories. And if you have any, I want to hear them. I love hearing how the Holy Ghost comes, how the Holy Spirit moves, and how He changes in such dynamic and wondrous ways. Well, we find the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, believe it or not, the Ruach of God, the breath, the wind of God. And it's brooding and it's just hovering over the, the waters and the chaos. And so we read in Genesis 2, and the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And there I picture the Holy Spirit just like a mother hen just waiting to give birth to what the Father was doing. Then in chapter 2, verse 7 in Genesis, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Wow. The breath of God the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, the life force that enters into our lives that makes us new. And we saw that when we went on our Nicodemus, you know, that the natural gives birth to the natural, but the spirit gives birth to the spiritual. And we see the born again. The spirit in the Old Testament would come upon a person and they would do amazing things things that they couldn't do the moment before the Holy Spirit came upon them. They had supernatural, superhuman strength. We see that in Samson. <laughs> we see that as, as, as this last week in EHS, we looked at King Saul. But yet when the Holy Spirit came upon King Saul in all his insecurity, he was prophesying right along with all the prophets of God. We find in Exodus 31, beginning at verse 1, that the making of the tabernacle, the skills and wisdom, was given through the agency of the Holy Spirit. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezaliel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Wow. Do you realize that 
Sometimes we don't think that the craftsmen are really filled with the Spirit, but they are. Having those kind of skills, just amazing. You can see the Spirit-filled work of Mike Jessup over there outside our sound booth as he built those stairs and hand railing so that our elderly can get up into the sound booth. Susie, that was for Bob. <laughs> and then as we move into the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is there at the uh, wonderful incarnation of the birth of Christ. We see the Holy Spirit is upon those that are there from Mary's Magnificat to Zechariah's prophecy after John's born. You just see prophetic utterances as the Holy Spirit comes upon people. And then in Luke, at chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is after his baptism, after he's baptized. Oops, I skipped the baptism. Matthew 3, <laughs> 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. And immediately after that, in Luke's account, we find that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. He returns from the Jordan where he was baptized, and he was led by the Spirit to the mountaintops. No, to the wilderness. Did you get that? He was led by the Spirit to the desert. Holy Spirit, lead me to Hawaii to a nice beach with an umbrella because I don't want too much sun. You know, no, when the Holy Spirit comes, He leads, we follow. In verse 14, it says, Jesus returned after, he, after in the wilderness His 40 days of a temptation, battle, struggle, victory over the devil. Verse 14, He returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. Okay, when the Spirit is upon someone and working through someone, people notice. We should be having growth because people should be noticing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and what the Lord is doing through the Spirit in our life to touch others. It's just going to naturally draw people. Then verse 18, Jesus is in the synagogue. He takes the scroll of Isaiah, chapter 61, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Everything that follows from this verse on is because the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, let's see what follows. <clears throat> Because the same thing, the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus is upon us. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hmm. 
So the mission of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus, who brings glory to the Father. The Holy Spirit, we see the dynamic of what he's doing. He's coming to communicate God's love to us. When you're not feeling the love of the Father, the love of Jesus, the love of the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to bring the love of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comes to initiate God's purposes for us. When we can't figure out what our purpose is, we're, we're going through a season that seems to be dry and it doesn't seem to have a lot of focus, turn to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's in his heart for you today? What adventures does he have? What assignments can you volunteer for? Hmm. And third, the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of God among us. We've already had one wave of the Spirit this morning. And the presence of the Lord was so wonderful. Now we're re getting ready for the second wave of the Spirit. And as we continue to look in the Scripture, the second wave from heaven to earth is being released of the Holy Spirit. Some of you will be having some kind of manifestations in your body. Some of you will be having thoughts that are beyond your thoughts. They'll be thoughts from heaven, thoughts from God's heart to your heart. Receive those. Some of you have a sense, huh, I think I, I, think I should be doing, and you fill in the blank. He'll be doing that this morning and every morning. Romans 5, 5, I love this. We, it was part of our, our declaration this morning, but it was in the Passion Translation. This is the NIV. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. He's the gift that Father God has given to us. It is the promise that he made in Joel in the Old Testament. And now in our lifetime, we get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It becomes the central lens through which we see everything that happens by the power of the Spirit. Sometimes when we're immature, that's why we're focusing on emotional maturity because as we start to move in some of the things of the Holy Spirit, if we don't have enough emotional maturity, we will be like a little child and we'll think this is all because I am so great. And we don't realize it's because the Holy Spirit is functioning because we have childlikeness. And the childlike wonder of saying, oh, Holy Spirit, you can do anything. Sometimes we're out and about and we, we think, uh, today I don't have the faith to move a dead leaf off the sidewalk. But other times in our childlikeness, we come up and, and in childlikeness we say, oh yeah, we can move mountains. Moving that mountain's not gonna be too hard for God, he can do that. And children just have that simple faith of knowing that their father can do anything. 
Yeah. The Holy Spirit gives us imagination. Sanctified imagination is just one of the greatest things <clears throat> that we could possess. And it's one of the most fiercest places where the evil one will fight us. He will come against our ability to dream and to imagine what the Spirit of God wants to do in any circumstance or situation. And so we find that there's constant negativity that the kingdom of darkness is bombarding us with day in, day, not, day, in and day out. And it's, it's strategically designed so that we don't activate a spirit-filled imagination because that is, that is the culture that faith is built and released. And that's where we see the miraculous and the supernatural take place. It's going to be in that place where we allow the Holy Spirit to purify our imagination and we start dreaming along with the Father and the Son and the Spirit what today's going to be. What does He want to do? That's good preaching. Amen. Keep it up. You're on target. They'll get it in a minute. Just hang in there. So you give us dreams and wisdom. Sometimes I, I'm just flabbergasted with some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth because I didn't know. I didn't know I knew that. But the Holy Spirit, when we plug into heaven's resources, all of a sudden we get what the Father knows and what the Son knows and what the Holy Spirit knows coming through us and blessing others. <laughs> Counsel. Holy Spirit's our counselor, and He is our empowerer, the power that He releases. Besides the Old Testament, everything that He did in the Old Testament, He'll do in the New Testament. He doesn't change. The New Covenant releases our freedom from the law, but it brings the fullness of the Spirit. And so we find the craftsmanship, the skills, the ability to do those things are great. Here's a quote. The day of Pentecost signals how the Spirit will work from then through today. He hasn't stopped. Making good on God's precious promises and empowering us as a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led people. The difference between the way we go about life and the way the ones who don't know the Lord yet should be different, not by our hairstyle and our dress code, although sometimes our dress code will come into the modesty dimension of that, but it's going to be by who leads. In the world, the human being is the one that leads. And they are so insecure with their own leadership that they try to control everybody else. And so the manipulation and the using of people to get what they want and get the desired results, but not so among God's people. We are to be led by the Spirit. We'll look at that a little more in just a second. So the Holy Spirit's the one that empowers the early Christians and He fills them with Himself. 
And out of that, self is not just a display of power, it's a display of love. God is love. First, his power always flows from his love. So we find that the life in the spirit is about one bearing fruit. Take a look. Holy Spirit, how's, how's fruit going? You know, we need to put some fertilizer over here, a little more water. We need to till the grounds. We've got a few weeds we need to pluck up. What, what, what's happening but bearing fruit? Bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit that comes as a result of not completing a certified course in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, but it comes by fellowshipping and spending time with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, bearing fruit. Second, walking in the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to Paul, has been called to walk alongside of us. He comes into us at salvation. He comes upon us for sovereign assignments, enabling grace to do and to speak and, and to function, to create. To do. But for the journey, he, he's walking next to us and we get to walk arm in arm. Now, part of the problem with me is I want the Holy Spirit to get in front of me so that when he steps, I can take a step. And when he steps, I can, you know, so that I can follow the Spirit wherever he's going. But that's not the way he wants. He wants relationship. He wants his personhood acknowledged. So he wants to come alongside and we walk together. And that's how the Holy Spirit wants to walk daily in your life. He wants to be right next to you as you go. So when somebody cuts you off, you'll say, boy, that wasn't very nice. You're thinking, boy, if you weren't here, my response might have been different. <laughs> if I wasn't aware that you are here with me. Yeah, I love that about the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, living in fellowship with the Spirit. Fellowship is, is when we're on the journey and we're going, it's where, when we're in task mode, <laughs> when we're doing something, we're fellowshipping with Him. When, when we're doing something that we love, Holy Spirit loves Pleasant Run Golf Course. He really does. He just, he just, He loves it when, when we go there. And, and we have a great time. And even if we hit a bad shot, That happens more frequently than I'd like to admit. But he wants fellowship in, in your recreation, in your work, in your, in your family, in your relationships. When your teenagers are calling you to pull out your hair, he wants you to fellowship with him in the midst of the difficulty. When you got three cars down and the one that you're driving, you don't know if you're gonna be able to get to your destination and back. He wants to be with you as you work on the cars. <clears throat> I haven't seen Bob Hunt's garage. I'm hoping to get an invitation soon out there. But I, I, I just can bet that the Holy Spirit loves being with Bob out in the garage. Yeah, wonderful place. I remember Deverne Fromke sharing with us once 
that after he'd preached, he went to this home for Sunday dinner, and afterwards the wife was real spiritual and part of Bible studies and prayer groups and all that kind of stuff. And her husband, he was more blue collar, and he was very pleasant, and Deverne enjoyed him. And, and then he got up and he went out and he started working on the car in the garage. And Deverne went out and talked with him out in the garage. And, and in essence, what Deverne shared with us was he was more impressed with the husband's spiritual life than he was with the wife's spiritual life. The husband didn't think he was very spiritual, but as he was working on the car, he was constantly talking to the Lord. He was, he was engaging and had a relationship that really went quite deep but it was unseen. Everybody could see what the wife was doing because she was over at this one and over here and over here and over here, had the language down pat. And I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way poo-poo Bible studies and prayer groups and all that. Don't, don't, don't mishear me as the enemy would want you to, but I'm just saying there's different ways of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, guys, we get sideways with ourselves because we don't realize that the fellowship with the Holy Spirit can be at any moment, in any environment, at any time. Sometimes we think it only counts if we show up on Sunday or Bible study or whatever. No, no. It should be an ongoing. Be filled with the Spirit continuously. So we find that <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our paraclete. He, he's our defense attorney. He's our comforter. He's our guide into all truth. He is the power behind the church. If the Holy Spirit left the church, the church would be totally irrelevant. The Holy Spirit is the power, <laughs> and without him there would not be a church. And that's why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday as the birth of the church, the birthday of the church. Why? Because it was the full outpouring of the Spirit from heaven to earth. So today, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. You say, Rick, I already know the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I know him better than you do. That could be true. There is no way to limit the intimacy that each one of us can have with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come with different offices as if when I get to be this, then I'll, have, I'll be more qualified to receive more of the Holy Spirit. No. Who you are right now and where you are right now qualifies you for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit for beginners. Uh, there's no idiot guide to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available. All we have to do is receive Him. Receive Him and allow Him to fill us. And here's where I would like to just encourage, especially those of us that 
have got these landmark moments when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we have those kind of events. And all of a sudden, that's been kind of the extent of developing relationship with the Holy Spirit is that I had a, I had a moment of baptism in the Holy Spirit and you may have spoken tongues, which means that you really get the merit badge and you can put that on your suit and your dress or whatever. But did you continue to walk in the fullness? Did you keep getting filled more and more with the Holy Spirit? And that's what we want. That's what we want. When we just have a historical moment that we can look back to and we realize that we've not cultivated anything further, that should make us sad. And it also gives us a chance to get hungry. Lord, because I know what you did on that day. And if the bald preachers preaching truth today, you want to do that every day. And that you want to increase the intimacy and the fellowship and the oneness with you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.